podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of College Days. I am producer Ollie, Ollie Thornton, yes. No Nat Coombs this week. It's only fair that he gets a week to sun himself in the off-season after I already have. But a man who never takes a day off, especially not in draft season, not even on his birthday, our resident college expert, Ben Isaacs. Happy birthday, my man. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. The thing is, is that I always say there is no off-season. And I think celebrating your birthday is for the week. <laughs> um, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna take like if let's say I'm an NFL GM or an NFL head coach and I've I've drafted a player and I find out that after after training, after 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 going to a practice session, they are going out for a meal with their family for their birthday. I think I'm doubting this guy's commitment. <laughs> yeah. He could be at home, he could be studying tapes, he could be studying the playbook, but instead he's gone for a meal with his mom and dad and like 90-year-old grandmother. And I just think, is that the sort of guy, is that the sort of character I want on my team? You know, I get suspicious, I'll be honest. 100%. To be fair, Nat Coombs, I think, once forced me to produce a show with him and Mike Coulson on my 24th birthday, I believe. So if that doesn't uh, demonstrate my commitment to the cause, Ben, I don't know what does. But no, it is absolutely brilliant to have you on the show, of course. The college days only really needs you at the end of the day. Course, as much as Nat's basically just put, we're, we're just the... We just play the role of the person who doesn't know that much about the college game. And you just provide all the information that we need and all of our listeners need. And we've got a great show today because we'll get into your mock draft. The first 14 picks will be in this episode. And then the next 18 picks will be in the next episode, which we will drop next week. Because, of course, Nat needs slightly longer than a week to sun himself. But we do have to start with the news that Bruce Arians is retiring from coaching and moving to the Buccaneers front office, as Peter King reported. Add this to the craziest, newsiest NFL odd season, off season in modern league history. What are your initial thoughts about this, Ben? Obviously, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator from last season, is going in as their new head coach. Well, first thing, it is more of an odd season than an off season. Yeah. It's been so weird. Like the, the timing of everything is weird. Like the timing of this is weird. If Bruce Arians had stepped away at the end of the season, that'd be one thing. If he'd stepped away when Tom Brady announced his retirement, that'd be one thing. If he stepped away immediately as Tom Brady announced his return, that'd be one thing. But now it seems it seems really strange. Like there's been talk that there's been a little bit of friction between him and Brady. Um, we may never know the truth about that. If there is friction, I'm surprised if he's staying, he's staying within the organization because that would still be an issue. But the talk has been that he has been interfering in the offensive game plans that uh, that Brady and Byron Leftwich have been cooking up. Um, you know, Bruce Arians knows his way around an offense. I'd like to think any input he had was was positive, but I guess there is the there is the chance that they feel that, as in Leftwich and Brady, felt that he didn't really get what was going on. Um, I'm really surprised. I like that Todd Bowles has, has taken over rather than Byron Leftwich because I think for this team to succeed right now, I think they need Byron Leftwich laser focused on the offense with Brady. I think this will go better than Todd Bowles' run 
with the Jets for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Bruce Arians. I think he's entertaining. I think he's a really good coach. I'm glad he's got a ring, but I am really, really surprised. It is bizarre. Do you want to hear what his official reasoning was in the interview he did with the LA Times and Sam Farmer? He said he's relinquishing the Tampa job because succession has always been huge for me with the organization in probably the best shape it's been in in its history with Tom Brady coming back. I'd rather see Todd in position to be successful and not have to take some crappy job. I'm probably retiring next year anyway in February. So I control the narrative right now. I don't control it next February because if Brady gets hurt, we go 10 and seven and it's an open interview for the job i got 31 coaches and their families that depend on me my wife is big on not letting all of those families down do you are you buying that as it's um, just genuinely a sort of altruistic considerate move by bruce arians and his wife seemingly i don't, I don't buy it 100 however there are only a few coaches i think who could say that with a straight face and he's one of them he's someone who i think he that that could be genuine and I, I would like, I would like to believe it's genuine. I mean, is he's right? I mean, I don't, I don't think he was going to have many more years left in the NFL. I think he was going to hang it up. He's been, I think he's been around longer than people realize. Um, you know, he's been involved in the game for so, so, so long. Forty-seven um, year coaching history dating yeah, back to I, when he was assistant at Virginia Tech in 1975. Yeah, exactly. So, you, chances are, if you're listening to this. He's been coaching longer than you've been alive. Yeah. He's just not been a high-profile NFL head coach for the majority of your life, most likely. So he's been around a long time. The idea that he would want to step away is completely sensible. And he's right. It's, a, it's very different from stepping away now than next February. But it's really different stepping away at the end of March compared with the months that came before that. I think it's weird. I get his whole idea of succession, but I don't know. I don't buy it. He's such an interesting character. And I think this just adds to the mystery that is Bruce Arians. You know that he once said in an interview on Sirius that he had to get his stomach pumped twice when he was younger because he drunk paint. Yeah. I hope to God that's true. It's amazing, isn't it? Because he said he wasn't allowed to drink milk because he was lactose intolerant. And he said, I still need to drink something that's going to make my bones stronger. So he decided to put himself in serious danger by drinking paint. Yeah, I, I mean, when when I saw that he had resigned, I mean, it felt like, has he been on the paint again? Yeah. Has he kind of, even if it's just the fumes? Yeah. Well, we advise everyone at home to not do that, please. Do not try <laughs> drinking paint at home. Right, let's turn our attention now. The reason why we're here, Ben, the reason why we're here for your birthday. I mean, is there anything you'd rather do than a 2022 NFL mock draft? No, probably, probably not. Probably not. Like, I... Um, you know, I live for this, right? This exactly. Is, uh... That is why you're here. That's why you were put on this earth to bring us your college <laughs> expertise, Ben. And I can't wait to be right in position A for it. So the way this is going to work is we're going to run through each pick. Ben is going to tell us who he believes will be going in each slot to each team and then giving a reason as to why and telling us a bit about that player and why they are going where they are and basically just informing the novice that is me when I ask inevitably stupid questions to him off the back. But let's get underway with the first pick in the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher out of Michigan. The guy is a physical freak. He is the most talented player in this draft. He is powerful. He is quick. 
You can plug him into various schemes. He can play every single down. He will be terrorizing quarterbacks in the AFC South, I think, for a, for a long time. And at one point, I thought maybe the Jags would want to go offensive line here. But the things that they've done in the offseason make me think, no, they, they are not going to do that. And they've got the quote-unquote luxury of just taking the best player available. And that, to me, is clearly Aiden Hutchinson. Obviously, going number one means he's undoubtedly an exceptional talent. The last edge rusher to go one was a certain Brown superstar, Miles Garrett. Mm. Do you think he has the capability to reach similar levels to Miles Garrett? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I hope that I hope that in Jacksonville they can help him reach that potential because he has got he has got that elite ability. He's someone who should be a perennial pro bowler, uh, minimum. Like probably all pro, not pro bowl. Pro bowl is a popularity contest. All pro is an actual recognition of talent. He is, he's just so explosive and he's got, he's got that kind of Miles Garrett flexibility and speed. I, I've, I loved watching his games last season and he loves playing for Michigan. His dad played for Michigan. He is, he was always so dedicated. Sometimes you see these players who are super dedicated in college and they love their college. And then it's a weird transition to them to the NFL because it is very much a job and that team will drop you if they need to. And it's a different sort of sense of loyalty. But if he plays like he did in college and has that sort of every damn commitment where he just wants to kill everybody who was not wearing um, Michigan colors, then Jacksonville have got a real one here. With the second pick in the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the Detroit Lions select Trayvon Walker, edge rusher out of Georgia, a guy who, if there was no Aiden Hutchinson, I think would be getting much more attention uh, than he does. He is, again, very powerful, very quick. He's really versatile. You can, you can put him on the edge. You can put him in the interior. Again, he's going to fit in lots of different, lots of different schemes. He's, I, I, I think the, the thing that I always want to say is he's not Aiden Hutchinson. And like, that's the biggest knock on him that he's not the best at, at this position in this draft, but I think he's probably the, the, the second most talented. He's also absolutely fantastic in the run game. It just feels like whenever a running back comes towards him, that running back is getting absolutely nowhere. He's got a hell of a motor. He just keeps going, keeps going. Very intelligent guy. It seems that even when he's put in a kind of complicated scheme, he gets it straight away. And he was a big part of Georgia winning that national championship. Absolutely terrific player. He's definitely going to add to what was an abject Detroit Lions defense last season. Am I right in saying that he also dropped into coverage at points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did. He can. He can. Like, he's got. He's got long arms, and he could. Like, you know, they're not. They're not putting him like way back with a safety. But you can. You can drop him back, and he can cover guys. He is. He is arguably more versatile than Aiden Hutchinson, just not as kind of not as disruptive necessarily. The most important question, though, has to be: Is he going to be a good character for Hard Knocks? Oh well, yes. I'm going to say yes. You get a lot of these. A lot of these players from the SEC. They have the. They have the right egos, because like they have this whole thing of the SEC. It just means more. That's the slogan for the SEC. They know that. They know it's the best conference, and you get a lot of players within that region. They want to be in the SEC. It's. It's not even like, oh, I need to play for this school. It's like I want to be in the SEC, and that ego. That ego that they generate is perfect for TV. So, yeah, I'm hoping he's kind of like, uh, he's showing that. He's not he's not a kind of super mouthy player, but I'm hoping that with the spotlight on him, he's going to be entertaining. 
He's going to have to hit people in the mouth as well. And what is oh, it? Kick he's gonna, people yeah. In the, yeah. I mean, if he's going to be playing under Dan Campbell, this guy is going to have to be as aggressive as he possibly can be. Yeah. And, Campbell is going to expect nothing less. Yeah. And he's going to come in and he's going to know very quickly that he's one of the most talented players on the roster, even without having taken an NFL snap. And I think that's going to come across. I think, yeah, I think Campbell's going to love him. With the third pick in the NFL 2022 Ben Isaacs mock draft, the Houston Texans select. Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher again out of Oregon. Now, yes, it's a good draft for edge rushers. If this, is what, like you want. <laughs> if this is what you want, if you're after quarterbacks, you've yeah. got problems. If you want edge rushers or wide receivers, then, then you are in luck. And the thing is, is that pretty much everybody could do with an edge rusher if they are picking this early. The Texans are in a bad place. I think we know that, but they do that's have a statement. Yeah. Yeah. That's put it mildly. The Texans are in a bad place. Um, you know, they've got a, They've got a defensive minded head coach who is very good at getting the best out of pass rushes. Now, Kayvon Thibodeau was if we were talking this time last year, I would have said there's a very good chance Kayvon Thibodeau is going to go number one overall. I think he was the player I was most interested in watching last season. He had some injury issues, um, but when he came back from those, he looked absolutely spectacular. Um, the, one of the I'm gonna I'll get to the positives in a minute, but one of the one of the knocks is that Oregon's best win of last season was on the road at Ohio State, arguably the best regular season win that anyone had last season. It's a tough place to win, as you can imagine, and they did that without Kayvon Thibodeau, who was who was meant to be who was meant to be their star player. So that's so that's a bit disappointed, but he. Um, He's again, he's super powerful. Again, absolutely fantastic against the run. He's incredibly athletic. Just he's relentless. He's just got so much stamina and energy. You can just make him go, 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 go through the entire game. I hope he can stay injury free. And I would say that he's perhaps out of these three players who are are all pretty similar in ability, but Hodginson is clearly the number one. I would say Thibodeau's perhaps perhaps got the highest ceiling um he's got so much potential and he didn't get the chance to quite live up to it all whereas i would say aiden hutchinson Trayvon walker it's yeah they they certainly reached their potential in college not to say they they're not going to go beyond that or can't go beyond that but i think thibodeau didn't reach the heights that he should have but the talent is there and i think it's a good building block uh for the texans to start Start with defense, start with that line, get some big, nasty pass rushes in and try to actually cause some problems. Texans adding just one of 54 players they need going into <laughs> yeah, the 2022 yeah. season. Yeah, it, it, it's less filling holes and just like anyone, anyone, please. Exactly. They've got the luxury of being able to select the best player at each position <laughs> they take as well, yeah. because they literally need to fill every single position on that roster. The only question I have for this is, do you think if they trade away Laramie Tunsil, which there are reports that they might do just to see how much draft stock they can get back for him. Do you think that would see this pick changing? Very possibly. And I think what could happen then is that my next pick, the number four pick, would then go number three. And I think the team picking at number four would take Kayvon Thibodeau because I think not many people are going to let him pass. I don't think he's going to get out of the top five at the moment. Okay, well, let's get into that then with the fourth pick in the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the New York Jets select. Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama. He is, in some ways, 
the second best player in this in this draft after Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I just think the desire to get those edge rushers is going to take them above even a superstar offensive tackle. Um, he is absolutely dominant. Um, if you you can run any running back behind him. And he is going to just clear the way. He is going to make holes. He's even better defending the. Um, he's even better protecting the run and blocking for the run than he is uh, blocking for a quarterback. And he's very, very good at that. It just seems that he's so he's so big. He's like three hundred sixty pounds, six foot six, and he just seems to use every inch of that to keep people away. Um, he has been. He's surprisingly quick. He's got surprising footwork considering considering his size. And I think any team, any team would love to have him. And the, the Jets could really do with some help on that offensive line. They can, it would be good if they can keep a quarterback upright. So I think at this point, they would go best player available. And that has to be Evan Neal. It's interesting, actually, because after signing um, Laken Tomlinson from the 49ers, if they are able to get Evan Neal, if he does drop this far, that actually makes quite a strong-looking offensive line alongside yeah. Mackay Becton and a second-year guard, Vera Tucker, who had a very strong rookie year. Are we are we praising the Jets? Um, I mean, a little bit. And I'm someone who was not happy with their with their drafting, um, with their drafting last year. But what is that like, just Zach Wilson? Are you just saying drafting, but you mean Zach Wilson? I'm trying to be polite about Zach Wilson, <laughs> who I did not feel was someone who should be taken in the top half of the draft, um, considering the other players that they just decided he was better than. And I think that's absolutely balmy. Um, just a reminder but, to everyone, he went second. Ben saying he shouldn't have been drafted in the top half of the draft, which yeah. is top 16. Well, he went second overall. You know, at, as, as people will get through this mock draft, there are going to be players who I do not think are in the top 32 players available in this draft, but I think are likely to be picked higher because of their relative scarcity. And the thing is, is last year was a vintage year to be drafting a quarterback. And I think Zach Wilson would have been great value for someone in the second half of the first round. But they, I think they really overplayed their hand. But I mean, the, the kid is talented. And I, I don't want to I don't want to rehash the conversations I had this time last year. But this time last year, I was pointing out Zach Wilson played basically nobody uh, in his final season at BYU. Mm. And the best team he played was Coastal Carolina. And he kind of cost them the game. I felt it was a lot of work that had to be done. Now, he did struggle last season out of all the out of all the, the rookie quarterbacks. I think he he struggled the most. And that did not surprise me. He played on a really bad team. He played in an offense he wasn't quite used to and he didn't have the protection. However, I think they are building something uh, there with the Jets and I think they are going to get better and I think someone like an Evan Neal is just perfect for them because I think he's going to be super, super reliable. I don't feel like they're taking much of a risk there. I would be very confident Evan Neal is going to be a star player. And that's great news as well if they can establish a run game because they didn't really have one last season, which obviously doesn't help Zach Wilson, especially as a rookie quarterback. So if they can establish that run game behind Evan Neal, utilising Michael Carter, who looked pretty promising in his first year. Yeah, New York Jets fans, maybe there is something to look forward to yeah, the, this like, season. Yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, like these four teams who we've who um, we've we've talked through here, the, the Jaguars have just... 
I mean, they've got their quarterback, but that is a team that I think had a bad off season. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a, an off season they're going to be paying for for a long time. 100%. The Lions, I think, are moving in the right direction. Um, I kind of like what they've done. The Texans are obviously an absolute mess, yeah. and the Jets are moving in the right direction. So I think the Lions and Jets are moving forward quicker than the Jags and Texans here. Well, it's um, keen to get your opinion on the next team with the fifth pick. In the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the New York Giants select Ikem Ekwanu, offensive tackle, North Carolina State. Now, I really like Ekwanu, but he is no Evan Neal. Now, the, the Giants have got the Giants have got two picks in quick succession here because they've got the, the Bears' first round pick after trading that away last year, so the Bears could pick Justin Fields. Um, so North Carolina State, they were not they were not great last season, but my God, E.K. McQuarrie was absolutely fantastic left tackle. He was able to like he was he was the biggest bright spot on a pretty dull offense. He was coming up against the best pass rushers every like in that conference every single week, and he kept pretty much all of them quiet he's got uh, a twin brother who plays linebacker at notre dame as well there's so much basically there's a lot of athleticism in his family his dad played college basketball uh, his mum was a was a track athlete and what i like about guano was he's a former wrestler so and i don't mean like wwe style i mean <laughs> like i mean the, like the boring olympic style <laughs> yeah. but what that what that really teaches an offensive an offensive tackle is kind of how to use your feet, how to use your body and how to, how to push people basically, hopefully not too much holding. I think he's someone who you can slot in straight away. And I'm sure that there's, you know, there's always, there are always people like who are a little bit underwhelmed when their team selects an offensive line with the first pick when it's kind of high, even when they know, even when they know it's what you need, it's not, it doesn't feel as sexy and then you start seeing him play and you realize he's giving your quarterback an extra like two seconds on every play. And you're like, oh, OK. So like the, the Giants quarterback situation is horrible, absolutely horrible. But he's going to make life easier for whichever horrible quarterback they put there. And hopefully for them, they'll have a new quarterback at some point because I don't feel their quarterback of the future is on the roster. But they honestly are going to give Daniel Jones another year, aren't they? I feel they like are. every year we like I read articles from Giants insiders. They say this is Daniel Jones last year. This is Daniel Jones last <laughs> chance. But then by the end of each year, they give him the excuse. So like last year's excuse was he didn't have any weapons. This year's excuse was he had terrible protection, even though I thought Andrew Thomas was immense last year. So it'll be interesting. I think this has surely got to be the last chance for oh. Daniel Jones to prove that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. If yeah. they give him a lumber season after this, if they don't get close to making the playoffs in a terrible division, he's got to go. You know, it had better be. And the thing is, right, they, they've got, and we'll get to it very soon, they've got the number seven pick as well. And they've got that, they got that from the Bears. Now, when they have that pick, so if you're a Giants fan, when you're watching that draft and they pick that player at number seven, you've got to think, okay, would I rather this guy or would I rather taken, say, Justin Fields or Mac Jones last year? And frankly, if you prefer the guy who I've put at number seven <laughs> over Mac Jones or Justin Fields, then I don't know what to tell you. 
because I would much rather have that starting caliber quarterback of the future than the person I picked at number seven, who I think is a good fit for the Giants. But I don't think that was a great piece of a great piece of draft work. Um, if that's a phrase, draft work like craft work. I don't think that was a great piece of draft work by the Giants last year, getting trading that pick away. I guess the only argument you can make is that with next year being reportedly a stronger quarterback draft, they're just creating the perfect platform for them to succeed going forward. And Daniel Jones is okay in the meantime. I can say it is the perfect platform because what's likely is they're going to pick very early again next year. So they will have the chance to get one of those quarterbacks. No, that does make perfect sense. But speaking of quarterbacks, let's get to the next pick because the Carolina Panthers are the next team on the board. And we all know their GMs come out and said that when you've got a top 10 pick, you've got to take risks, Mm. especially when it comes to quarterbacks. So with the sixth pick in the 2022 NFL, Ben Isaac's mock draft, the Carolina Panthers select. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Pittsburgh. Now, small hands. Yes, he. I mean, he's been joking around about the small hands that he's apparently got Joe Burrow style small hands. Like, if the if the Panthers have the next Joe Burrow here, then I'm sure they'd be very pleased. To be honest, um, Kenny Pickett is not Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow was a deserved number one overall pick. Um, Kenny Pickett, he really. Like his draft stock just skyrocketed in 2021. He was perhaps the most consistent quarterback in college football last year. He's able to improvise. He's able to kind of go vertical. He makes he makes some interesting decisions. Sometimes they're not the right decisions, but he's doing it because he's aggressive rather than panicking. And I'd rather I'd rather that. Like I think. When someone is throwing bad passes because they're panicking, I think that's harder to coach out of them than just them being aggressive. Um, I I am a little bit worried about his size um, in general and all this stuff about small hands. We can kind of make jokes about it, but it's not like he was fumbling. It's not like he was fumbling all the time. Um, he hasn't played as many games um, at a super high level um, because he really kind of came along, came along last year and... Some people have said, oh, a bit like Mitch Trubisky, where he'd had some, a couple of very average kind of seasons and then had one really good season. I think Kenny Pickett is a more reliable pick. He's just, like, he can definitely be a franchise quarterback. I just don't think he's super, super exciting um, as, a, as a prospect. I think there are more, potentially more exciting quarterbacks that doesn't mean better but there are more exciting quarterbacks available it's not a great year to draft a quarterback but I think the safest choice is Kenny Pickett even though he's probably not a top 16 talent uh do you think he'll be ready to start week one which he's probably going to have to be if he's going to the Carolina Panthers um I think I think yes I'm gonna say yes in that I think it can be done I don't think in the situation, they'd be like, oh, we just absolutely cannot do this. Like, I would have felt that about Trey Lance last season, that to not have him start day one because he hadn't played enough games and he hadn't played at the top level of college football. I think Kenny Pickett is the is perhaps the only one of the quarterbacks who are going to get drafted where I would feel relatively comfortable starting them day one, but not in the same way I would have felt it about Trevor Lawrence 
or Matt Jones or Justin Fields, not that he did. Um, I think all those would have been better equipped to start day one. But if any quarterback in this draft can, it's Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and it's a decent, decent situation to go to when you look outside of the quarterback position. They've invested in the offensive line in free agency. They added Rashad Higgins to already already relatively talented wide receiver room. And he obviously has Christian McCaffrey as well behind him, who is one of the best running backs in the game, mm-hmm. if he can stay fit. So it'll be very interesting to see Kenny Pickett if he does start week one with a relatively good situation around him, how well he can do. But let's get to that pick that you teased as potentially the most unexciting pick of the NFL draft <laughs> so far. And with the seventh pick in the 2022 NFL, Ben Isaac's mock draft, the New York Giants select. Ahmad Gardner, cornerback, Cincinnati. Now, he is a really good player. He will massively upgrade that secondary. Um, he was so fantastic last season. The entire, ba- uh, I want to call them Bengals then, the, the entire Bearcats secondary was fantastic at Cincinnati last year. And, but he was, he was the key piece. It just happens to be that I can't help looking at this. And if I was a Giants fan, this is definitely how I'd look at it. Would I want him or would I want Justin Fields? And I would rather Justin Fields. But we are where we are with the Giants. Now, this guy is a clear day one starter. You've put him in a zone scheme. He is going to be, I don't like to use the phrase shutdown corner because I'm not sure it exists in today's, in today's NFL, really. But he's that sort of guy. Now, if he isn't a starter in day one, then it's clear they're just trying to kind of work through certain things with him because it can be a difficult transition going from the conference he played in, the, the American Athletic Conference, where he was not playing the best guys. And it can be an adjustment. But he is he's very feisty. He is going to get in people's faces. He is he is kind of wiry and quick. His man coverage his man coverage is good. But like I say, he's better in zone. And he's just got he's really good at making a, making a play on the ball as well. And because of that feisty, I'm going to say aggressive because of his ag- aggressive nature, he also is a good he also is a good tackler, despite the fact he's not massive. So he is going to be a fantastic player, I think, and a really good draft pick that Giants fans will really like once he's kind of started to make an impact. But it's just hard to look past the player they missed out on when they desperately needed a quarterback. It's true. Let's just give them hope, the Giants fans, that next year they will be picking early and they will be able to get that franchise quarterback who isn't necessarily in this draft. But I do think this pick to go alongside James Bradbury, this could be a huge get for the Giants and dramatically improve their secondary. So two needs, although not quarterback, which is definitely a need, certainly addressed for this Giants team in the Ben Isaacs mock draft. Let's get to the next one, though. Another very interesting pick because it is the Matt Ryanless Atlanta Falcons with the eighth pick in the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the Atlanta Falcons select. Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty. This is now the then. player I'm most interested in, Ben. I have to say, I'm just going to get that one out there because this is the one that I've kind of watched the most. I've seen the tape of, and he seems to be quite polarizing amongst sort of the draft community as as to where he's going to go, as to how what his ceiling is. And you've got him going quite high here. Yeah. Now, the thing is, it's always it's always worth noting with any of these kind of, basically, a mock draft's a thought experiment. You know, let's see yeah, where these players could fit. 
And when players are being drafted, it isn't necessarily, oh, right, the best player mm-hmm. is taken number one, the second best player is taken number two. It's, it's about need and about how certain positions, their value is inflated. And obviously, no, no position has their value inflated more than, more than the quarterback. Malik Willis is polarizing. Some people feel that he is he does not have the he does not have the he does not have the tools. Um he did have some bad games last season. He did throw some terrible passes. But he is an incredible athlete as well. I mean, Kenny Pickett's a good athlete. Malik Willis is an even better athlete. But when it comes to kind of boom or bust, that is Malik Willis. If Malik Willis becomes an all pro i won't be surprised if malik willis is out of the nfl in three seasons i wouldn't be surprised what would surprise me is if it's like in five years time we're like yeah he's okay i don't think that's going to happen i think the falcons either have their quarterback of the future or in a few seasons time they're like oh boy did we whiff on that one but the thing is this is an inexact science you can look at malik willis and you can see the way that he moves, the way he throws the ball sometimes, he is a potential NFL superstar. He is amazing, but he is very raw. And we just don't know. We don't know if he's going to reach that ceiling because the floor is also low. He, he needs to be developed. I would not put him on an NFL field day one. I think the best thing for them is to have him as a backup bring him into some games, maybe even like, right, we're 21 points behind in the fourth quarter. Let's just, let's just get him out there and just kind of blood him and see what happens. So you mean every game for the Falcons? This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, if, if they're only down to 21 in the fourth quarter, they'd be like, oh, not bad. We might cover the spread. Um, so yeah, I, I want to I see him. I think the Falcons, I mean, okay. If anyone's playing a drinking game at home, where it's like, right, whenever Ben mentions Justin Fields, they take a shot, they're gonna get they're gonna get drunk. <laughs> but this time last year, when I was talking about who who should be who should be picked where, I was like, the Falcons should pick Justin Fields. He's a local boy. Matt Ryan is not long for this world. We we know that he was not the long-term, even like this time last year, we didn't think, oh, Matt Ryan is the long-term answer in Atlanta. We knew he was coming towards the end what an amazing situation that would have been to have Justin Fields learning behind Matt Ryan for one or two seasons and bring him in Malik Willis is in a way like kind of a poor man's Justin Fields he's not as physically strong but maybe this is a way for them to kind of undo a mistake that they made last year in missing out on Justin Fields is this mock draft just one big flex for you, Ben, just to demonstrate how great the Bears did by moving up to draft Justin Fields possibly now I mean, you might ask, is Ben sitting here on his birthday wearing a Justin Fields T-shirt that he was bought for his birthday? The answer, Ollie, would be yes. (laughs) But just bear in mind, if anyone wants to be like, oh, you're talking up Justin Fields because you're a Bears fan. I was talking up Justin Fields through the whole of last last offseason. It never occurred to me the Bears would get him. And it's important to remember that it was generally felt for like a few years that, oh, well, we know that in that 2021 NFL draft, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence at number one, Justin Fields at number two. Those were the top two players. It was like that was decided. 
from when they were in high school, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Those were the top. Those were the top two college recruits coming out of high school. They played against each other in high school. Then they were playing against each other in in college, and it was like, oh, they're the one and two in the like in the national championship, um, national championship semifinal. Um, they were playing against each other, and a, a graphic came up on screen of like, here's the number one pick, here's the number two pick, and like one's going to the Jags, one's going to the Jets. It's like that feels weird now that. That was like that was almost set in stone, January of 2021, and then things things changed. And maybe maybe he doesn't become the player that I think he can be, but maybe he does. And the Bears have got one of the best bargains, and the Jets and the Falcons and people who should have taken him and the Giants will just always rue that they missed out on him. But Malik Willis is going to be a lot of fun to watch develop. I hope he can. I hope he can do it because he's going to be a lot of fun to watch if he can. And the Falcons could be the perfect spot for him, considering he can sit for a year behind Mariota, watching this team struggle its way to another high draft pick next season. And they won't have the silly amount of dead cap space that Matt Ryan's contract is inflicting this season, so they can build around him in next season in free agency. And they will have Calvin Ridley back. So it could be, as you said, because he's not necessarily going to be ready to start week one, or not necessarily even this season, this could actually be the perfect situation for Malik Willis. And he is also, by all accounts, from what I've read, a terrific person off the field as well. Yeah, he is. And he will get it. And he will be he will be happy to kind of be coached up. He will not walk in and feel like, you know, oh yeah, I'm I'm the real deal already. I'm fine. Just put me in. And I think the situation in Atlanta would be better than the situation in Carolina because I think there would be more pressure for him to try and start early. So Atlanta would be a good situation for him. They are not an absolute train wreck. I don't think the Matt Ryan deal is absolutely terrible for them. They were going to have to move on eventually. And yeah, this is, this is not a bad spot for him. With the ninth pick in the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the Seattle Seahawks select. Charles Cross, offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. So... Again, it's not a super glamorous one, but he is a fantastic, he's fantastic in pass protection, even better as a, as a run defender. But you can just plug him in as the starting left tackle. And who knows who the Seahawks quarterbacks are going to be over the next couple of seasons. But I think whoever it is, are going to be protected by Charles Cross, who was just absolutely exceptional. Um, last season for Mississippi State, who are not one of the best teams in the SEC, which means they are generally playing against the top edge rushers in the SEC. And the top edge rushers in the SEC usually become top edge rushers in the NFL. So he has seen these guys and he has worked well against them already, which is why the evaluators love him so much. He had one, he had one poor game against um, against Ole Miss last season, which obviously is the big rivalry game. And I'd like to say kind of things went out the window because like Ole Miss are not great defensively and he just seemed to make mistakes against them. Whereas against the tougher teams, he actually was, he actually was better. Um, he's not quite as big as some of the other guys. Like he's only like just over 300 pounds. So I would like him to bulk up. I would be looking to kind of get him to put some, put some muscle and weight on. That's going to help him. But he is, he is very much a guy who should be able to start very quickly. 
the man honoured with protecting Drew Locke this season. Congratulations, <laughs> Charles Cross. With the 10th pick, the New York Jets with their second pick so far of the draft, select. Drake London, wide receiver, USC. Now, it's a good draft for wide receivers. If you get a handful of draft nicks in a room, they are never going to agree on what order those wide receivers should go go in. It's kind of personal preference. Um, for me, I've put Drake London in this slot because he is my favorite of the wide receivers. Um, I remember talking about him at the start of the college season with Nat and really, really talking him up. And then he did get injured and, and miss the rest of the season, but he's going to be fine. Um, he is he is a burner. He is, if you can just kind of, you can just send him out, go vertical, go long and kind of jump up and get it. He can be Zach Wilson's kind of outlet there of like, if he knows, right, Drake, Drake's going to burn past someone and get himself open and get a big gain. That's going to be amazing for them. One thing I like about him as well is that he's like, you get a lot of these top wide receivers who are, and I'm sure he's got a bit of an ego, but this is something that something I like is that he's really happy to like to be blocking. He will just he will block and block and block. He will do run blocking. He will do these downfield blocks. I, I don't know if it's just because he's so competitive or whether he's just like one of those gritty guys. But like you see some of the catches he makes and you wouldn't put that and gritty in the same sentence. But I think he is. Um, I think he's a gritty guy who just seems to make fantastic fantastic catches he gets the separation that you need and Zach Wilson needs someone like that you know he's that's the guy that's the guy I think that can if Zach Wilson is going to be a good wide receiver next season it'll be because he's got someone like a Drake London yeah it fills the glaring need for a sort of big bodied alpha in their Mm. receiving corps is this wrong to say it kind of reminds me if they managed to get Drake London Drake London alongside Elijah Moore kind of reminds me of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And think how kind of quarterback friendly that pairing, that pairing is like, I think, I think, I think the jets are going places. If, if they, if they draft, as I suggest, and they've got in my eyes, the best offensive tackle and the best wide receiver in the draft, which is what I've given them here. I think that is great. I mean, that I think they should be thrilled with that. Yeah, and I think they've got to go all in on offense with their top two, uh, with their two top 10 selections in this draft. And I think that's what Joe Douglas is likely to do as they seem to be, whenever they're talking about their sort of approach in this offseason, they seem to be focusing all in on prioritizing quarterback Zach Wilson's development. So it's very interesting. And I just can't believe we're praising the Jets so <laughs> much. It feels, it feels very foreign to me. But nonetheless, it's about time that they got some excitement. As a Cincinnati Bengals fan, we were that team that everyone spoke very lowly of for a long period of time. And now look at us where everyone's darling. So it is, I, I wouldn't mind sharing the love a little bit to the New York Jets, but maybe not necessarily this year, especially with that division looking like the way it does yeah. right now. Let's move on to the 11th pick. The Washington Commanders select. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. Now, again, this is my... Second favorite wide receiver. This is why I've this is why I've slotted him in here. But he and Drake London are both really good, really good prospects, but they're different types. I can see Garrett Wilson getting more catches than Drake London, but not getting as many 
as many big plays. Um, I think if the if if the commanders want to throw the ball a lot, and I think that's what they should be that's what they should be looking into doing. You could put Garrett Wilson in the slot, and I think he's going to make an absolute ton of catches. He's when when Ohio State would do um, would do a play action pass, he seemed to just get open every single time. He would just like they didn't they didn't have Justin Fields drink. They didn't have Justin Fields last season, <laughs> but the wide receivers at Ohio State just got open constantly. They are very well coached there, but it's it's also it's also ability, and it would seem that. He would, Garrett Wilson would just get away or get open so quickly. And he would just, he would put himself in a difficult position to make, to make that catch. Like, okay, I'm going into traffic here. I know I'm going to get hit. Now, what he's got to do better is just be able to anticipate that hit a little, a little more without kind of looking downfield or kind of, you know, getting, getting distracted, but he was always prepared to go into those spaces where, you know, you are going to have to kind of deal with some physical punishment. Now, if he makes that catch and he's, he was usually be kind of open there in the slot. You would better, if you are going to hit him, you'd better get him the first time because if he gets away from that first guy, he could kind of go all the way because he's got this acceleration that when he's got the ball and he turns cuts, makes a move, he can be, he can be gone. So that's the sort of player the commanders would be getting. Um, It's clearly interesting to see what they're going to, what they're going to do with their offense and how things are going to go with the quarterback. But he's the guy, I think Garrett Wilson. I really hope that the listeners aren't, playing the Ben Isaacs mock draft drinking game with paint. Can I strongly advise <laughs> against that, especially if Bruce Arians is listening? I know he's a big fan of yours, Ben. But yeah, I love this pick by the commanders because actually if there's one excuse you could have given Wentz in Indy and actually when he was in Philly for the latter years is that he didn't have great weapons. Sure. And in the, with the receiving core alongside McLaurin, I think with Garrett Wilson, you've got Curtis Samuel as well. I think in theory, this could give Wentz a great chance to succeed. But emphasis on the theory there, because again, we are talking about Carson Wentz. (laughs) Let's move on to the 12th pick, the Minnesota Vikings select. Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback, LSU. Now, this this is a need for the Vikings. They could really do with a with an elite. Uh, an elite cornerback. Now, he he came into college football as an absolute star. So he was a five-star recruit, and he was considered to be out of out of all the out of all the high school players coming into college football in 2019. He was ranked the best player in the entire country. That's the sort of person that that we're dealing with. He is. If he lives up to his potential. I think we could be talking about him as one of the best of his generation. Really? Absolutely. I think he is like he's been he's been hurt some points and I think that can that can kind of take people's eye off him a little bit. But my god, when you when you watch him, he is just like he's like he's a, he's a technician. It just feels like he is, he could kind of give masterclasses on like his man coverage. It just seems that 
you put a guy opposite him and he he cannot get away from Stingley. Everywhere, everywhere, every movement, Stingley is there, often just a step ahead. So he gets a lot of interceptions. Um, he just seems to be like he could he feels at times like a wide receiver, the way that he will kind of watch a ball come through the air and make a play on the ball. Um, and when you've got when you've got that sort of that catching ability and that ability to kind of track the ball and not lose it, that is incredible for a cornerback. Like I think he is just he is he's he could play safety if you need him to, because he did at LSU. He played that and he played nickel corner sometimes. But what you're going to want is just to put him on the other team's star receiver and see if he can just prevent him from doing anything. Well, congratulations to the Minnesota Vikings. They seem to have got an absolute stud, according to Ben Isaacs, mm-hmm. at the 12th pick. The next team will certainly be hoping for the same. With the 13th pick, the Houston Texans select. Kyle Hamilton, safety, Notre Dame. Now, I think this is quite controversial by you, Ben, because he, from everything that I've seen, is one of the darlings of the draft. People saying he's the best player in this draft besides position, of course. So to see him go as low as 13, that did surprise me, Ben. Um, it is it is simply a lack of a lack of game film because of an injury. And I think that injury really cost him. Um, and I think it got it got people a little bit worried and they just wanted to they wanted to see more of him. You know, it was all these players in this draft. They were also affected by the covid season of either not playing many games or not playing at all. So it's been a, it's been a tricky transition for a lot of these players. And then if you manage to get injured in 2021, then you've got then you've got some issues. A lot of people, yeah, feel that he's he's the best. He's the best player if, if really no disrespect to safeties. If you can really call a safety the best player, you know, like a, an elite level safety is never going to have the impact of an elite level edge rusher or quarterback or left tackle in terms of kind of turning a game around. But he is the best safety in this draft. He, uh, he is incredibly skilled. He has got an amazing football brain. It's like it's like when he is when he is back there and he is watching what is going on and what the offense is doing. It's like the game slows down for him, and you see a lot of rookies. They come in and everything's moving so fast. I think that won't happen to Kyle Hamilton. He's his brain, his football brain is just too developed. He will see what's happening, and although he is great athletically, I like his brain more than anything. Um, I just I just worry a little bit, like. I was talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats um, and how great their secondary was um, earlier on. And Cincinnati went to Notre Dame Stadium and beat Notre Dame. It was one of the big results of last season. It was probably after the Oregon-Ohio State game, the best away win in college football. And he just wasn't very good in that game. And that was their toughest game. It was the only game they lost last season. And it was just, it was, it was a bit disappointing basically. So I'm just, I don't know. I really, really like him. I'm just not quite as high on him as other people. And I can obviously see him falling to this, 
to this point because I think there are a lot of good I think this is a strong draft it's just certain positions are weak I think that he is someone who can fall despite that ability and I think the Texans would absolutely go crazy if they can pick him in this position I was about to say if the Texans come away with their first two picks in this draft with Carl Hamilton and Thibodeau you'd have to say that they would be a very, very happy camp. I've been very kind to the Texans here, haven't I? You have been very kind to Texans. You've actually made it look like that they're making sense with their moves and they're actually utilising logic and common sense, which we haven't necessarily seen from the Houston Texans in recent years. Although you would potentially say that Davis Mills was a good pick. Um, Davis Mills, do you know what? Before before last last year's draft... um, Someone had said to me, kind of as a as a joke, like, "Ah, oh, I think I think the Bears are going to pick Davis Mills as their quarterback of the future." And you know, they said that as a kind of like, "Ho ho!" Can you imagine having Davis Mills as your quarterback of the future? And you know, if you picked him in the first round, that would be pretty bleak. But Davis Mills is someone, one of those players who could develop into a a a really good starter. Yeah, not a, not an elite level, not in a like not one of the top sixteen quarterbacks, but enough to enough to kind of win games so if they can do something with davis mills which i'm i'm yet to be convinced by then yeah they're not they're not completely they're not completely hopeless um but yeah isn't I, every other position around him on that offense completely hopeless yeah, everything like, a, else yeah. Hopeless. So, <laughs> yeah. like you're taking you're taking like so a davis mills who needs a lot of work and needs a lot of help and putting him in the worst possible situation exactly like it was bad enough if you're Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is so far ahead of Davis Mills. So at the very least, if the Texans can make it so that their defense is good, like look at, look at those lovey Smith teams that, you know, he's, he's built at other stops and especially, especially that bears team, which was built on, we are going to make big plays on defense. We are going to suffocate you and we're going to give the offense not too much to do. The thing is, is that, Really, for that Lovey Smith system to to work like it did in Chicago, you need Devin Hester making incredible special teams plays and giving the offense short fields all the time. If Davis Mills could start every drive on the 40-yard line, then great, but that's probably not going to happen for the Texans. No, it's not. But at least they've improved defensively so far in your mock draft, Ben. Mm. With the 14th pick... In the 2022 NFL Ben Isaacs mock draft, the Baltimore Ravens select Tyler Linderbaum, offensive lineman, Iowa. And I've said offensive lineman because he can play anywhere on that line. However, I think what the Ravens need more than anything right now is a top level center. And I think that's what it's going to be for them. That's what they need. Um, I think he would be like, I'm I'm not sure anyone's going to consider him anything other than a than a center. Um, the Iowa the Iowa offensive line is like a, a production line of you know great offensive linemen. It's always you're always going to get players there, but I think he's best as a center. And to me, it's the perfect fit for the Ravens because they need a center, and I'm sure that's what Lamar would like someone someone in front of him he can he can rely on. That's what they need. Not an exciting pick, but I think a perfect jigsaw piece for the Ravens puzzle. (laughs) 
Sensational work by Ben, as always. The good news is that was only part one. Ben and I bring you the next 18 picks to finish the first round, and that will drop next Wednesday. So be on the ball for that. Plenty more in the vault as well. Get the free agency verdicts, the Super Winner Shane Vereen and the brilliant Mike Carlson. Mock Draft Part 2 will be back next week. See you then, people. American football is coming to Ireland. Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium, Dublin, 27th of August, 2022. Good news, that's a Saturday. That means that we are going to be there, the NC Show crew, providing we can get Ollie and Mike through customs. But I'm pretty sure we can. Uh, so we should be there for this in the build-up for the game. It is going to go off. Collegefootballisland.com. That's the website to visit. Uh, register interest. Collegefootballisland.com. Get involved. Sports Social Podcast Network.